you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Here's a crazy statistic for you. There are over 3 million LGBT people in the U.S. right now over the age of 55. And that number is expected to double in the next 20 years. Where are all of those people going to live out their later years of life? That's a question that we discussed this week with Tony Ramos of Alta Prime Assisted Living. He shares with us some of the facilities that are available, although there are very few, and the opportunities and the necessities that each of us have to be ready to have a happy, successful, and fun later years of life. Once again, we want to remind you that this show is being sponsored by Mass Mutual, who really can help you plan for the best years of your life. Now let's get on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. All right, welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. We're looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. There's a lot of concern in the LGBT community about later stages in life and where do we, what are our resources and how do we get, take care of ourselves or how can others maybe help us take care of ourselves if we can't take care of ourselves alone. Uh, so we actually befriended a, a local person here in Denver. Business person. Yeah. Business person, Tony Ramos. He is the CEO and founder of Alter Prima Assisted Living in Longmont, Colorado. He reached out to us a while back and wanted to introduce himself to us. And we had the chance to talk with him and his partner a couple weeks ago, or I guess a couple months ago now. And um, <laughs> he had a, a lot of great information and we thought this is super information to share with our audience. Um, yeah. So Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We're glad to have you. Um, so do you mind giving our listeners a little bit of a background on who you are? Yes. My name is Tony Ramos, and I am a Colorado native and uh, went to CU Boulder for my undergraduate for economics, and I finished my master's in business administration uh, with a focus in strategic management from Regis University in 2014. And the last 10 years, I... I've had the privilege to work in corporate and I've kind of done quite a bit of things for a financial company. I've done accounting, I've done cash management, treasury functions, I've done information security, audit, and more recently compliance and to be specific, anti-money laundering compliance. And yeah, I've also been busy establishing uh, the senior home for quite some time. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of inf- information there. One, I think it's great that you're you're pioneering or, or taking ownership of your future by establishing your own business and becoming an entrepreneur. I think uh, David and I are big advocates of more LGBT people becoming business leaders um, because we think that the the more leaders that we have throughout the community, um, the more we show society that we have more to contribute just beyond our unicorns and six-pack abs. <laughs> so um, how did you get into assisted living or retirement centers and what inspired you to create Alta Prima? That's a very good question. We actually experienced this in the family with my grandparents. And even before we learned about homes being turned into assisted living facilities or assisted living homes, we Number one, we didn't know. And when the time came for my grandmother to move to a facility, we learned our options. And in Colorado and a few other states allow homes to be converted to 
an assisted living facility. And based on that experience prompted us to explore and understand the industry more and learning through that experience, my family coming from the Philippines, being hospitable and taking care of our own families, we, we've always had that heart and passion to extend that care because when you check out one facility, it's not this, it's not the same for across the board. It's always going to be different. And just because a facility, the building itself, just because it's fancy and has the bells and whistles does not necessarily mean a lot of care. But basically, we even before we wanted to get started, we always wanted to care for our own. And actually, I also had a background in hotel management. And even then, right before I finished my undergrad, uh, we already started caring for seniors. Unfortunately, we didn't have a house at the time to house them. But there's this lady that lived in the hotel for a long time. And Unfortunately, she passed away in the hotel um, because she refused to belong to an institutionalized facility. But we basically extended the care. So we weren't just front desk people taking care of our guests. We would check up on her if we don't see her. We would bring food to her or we would take her out to eat. So, yeah, it's always been in our background, in our heritage and um, just, I guess, culture um, to take care of people. So this really hits home for you. So just so I'm clear then, what makes Alta Prima and similar places like yours unique or different than, I guess, the traditional institution is that these are actually homes, single-family homes converted into assisted living facilities. That is correct. I recommend everyone to do their own research. Like I said, each facility is not going to be for everyone, and I encourage everyone to take a tour, get to know the facilities and ask questions, especially the staff and the current seniors living in them. But for for us and what makes us different in general, residential homes specialize in oversight. Before I started the assisted living, I worked as a caregiver myself for three months just so that I really know what I'm getting myself into. And I got to work in a small setting and I also got to work in a big setting. The biggest advantage is oversight. We, I would have to caution the audience that just because a fancy building has all the bells and whistles and just because it's, uh, it appears to have a lot of people, you basically, in my experience, I was responsible and in charge of about 15 to 20 seniors in one of the shifts that I took in a big facility, whereas in a small residential home, uh, we're looking at about eight to 12 um, seniors. And typically there's always two to three people in each shift. So there's a lot more care um, and a lot more oversight. And in my particular case, it's more specific. Um, I'm testing out something that's, uh, I don't think ever been done before, but it's even smaller scale. We're talking about four or five people in the home. Wow. wow. That really allows for the option for more customization. Exactly. Uh, more, uh, one-on-one care if, if that's necessary. And that's what I pride myself is the one-on-one care. That that alone in itself is very costly to have visiting you know, caregivers to do one-on-one or even get that service elsewhere. Gotcha. Yeah. I think that one of the things that John and I were really surprised by was a statistic that we read maybe six months ago was that the 
average assisted facility, assisted care facility, when someone moves into that in the United States, they're paying roughly $80,000 a year for that facility. And and I think for, (laughs) for most people, that number is shocking. $80,000 is a lot of money. And if you're paying anywhere near that, you want to get the best care that you can get. And it sounds like that that's kind of the direction that you're headed is providing much more unique care rather than mass care, which, um, which may, as you mentioned earlier, may mean that you don't really get to spend a whole lot of time actually taking care of the individuals. You're just kind of doing a checkup on them as you're running right. from person to person to person. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Just to echo on that, another advantage of a smaller residential facility, because we do not have the costs involved in running a big facility, it's not as expensive. And I, in my own opinion, it's more affordable than going to one of those institutionalized facilities. And you are correct. They often charge in the ranges of 8000 to 10000 a month easily. And depending on the complexities of the levels of care, it can go as high as twelve, fifteen thousand 15000 a month for the institutionalized um, type of facilities. Wow. In, the res- in a residential home, um, you will also see and this is across the board in the United States, it all depends on what that home or what that company is specializing in. And it's not as expensive as institutionalized institution. There is a difference, however, uh, and again, I encourage everyone to do their research. There are Medicaid homes, but they are either fully booked or um, there's none. I know in the state of Colorado, we are actually, we have a shortage of Medicaid beds. And so in general, the entire senior population is having a hard time getting placement or finding homes um, to live in just because there's just no Medicaid homes available. On the contrary, um, there's there are private homes like mine. We don't charge the same as Medicaid. Um, we're slightly higher, but it's still affordable compared to the eight ten thousand a month. Right, gotcha. And does health insurance? Can you count on health insurance to help cover the expense of assisted living in a home like yours? Um, very good question. Health insurance, no, in specific. But there are policies out there, um, like long-term care, that does mm. offset some of the cost of the living expenses, um, like for assisted living. There are still options out there for insurances to cover such expense, but to buy into that, it's so expensive nowadays. And again, um, I would partner with um, a lot of uh, insurance companies and do research before signing up because sometimes uh, elder or long-term care plans don't have the writer that pays for the for the living expenses for the homes. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. So it's, it's, it wouldn't necessarily be covered under life insurance, but possibly under long-term care insurance. Correct. And then there's insurance specific to uh, subsidizing assisted living. That is correct. Yes. Okay. And as our guests know, MassMutual is one of the sponsors of Queer Money, and they offer long-term care insurance. And so if you want to get more information on the long-term care insurance that MassMutual offers, please visit them at MassMutual.com. Right. Wonderful. Thank you. Sure. I I do Um, have one question for you, Tony. Because this is such a significant cost and something that someone may not necessarily have planned for, can you give us kind of an idea of of how long 
typically people spend time in? I know it's a little bit of a more, a little bit of a morbid thought, but how long is it that <laughs> that people spend in assisted facilities like this? Is this really I'll- kind of end of life uh, planning? Or do we see that these are the kind of facilities that individuals are staying in for five, eight, 10 years? That's a very good question. Again, it varies by home and it varies by the specialization or the type of clients that the operator administrator admits to the facility. But typically and averagely speaking, we're looking at about two to three years average for a senior to stay in an assisted living. And the concept of assisted living, I just wanted to kind of break it down. Assisted living, we it gets a people automatically think nursing home and there is a huge difference in the long-term care spectrum. So assisted living is basically in my own words, it's a 24-7 concierge service where you get oversight and we do everything for you to assist you to continue to live with convenience, if you will, and um, to help you live longer. Actually, I always tell everyone my goal is if I can send you back home with your family or to live alone and independently, I will do that. Oftentimes, um, the seniors do end up staying longer only because either their their level of care increases over time or they just don't recover from like an accident or something. A lot of the times an indication of someone needing assisted living is when they can no longer cook for themselves or they can no longer bathe themselves or, you know, run errands, if you will. So that's where really assisted living comes in. And moving forward in that spectrum, nursing home is basically a 24-7 medical attention care um, and assisted living is not medical. There's nothing medical about assisted living. However, the state has allowed facilities to get additional help from outside vendors. And that's where home health comes in, where they help you medically like change wound dressings or like uh, assist with insulin uh, shots. Like what I said, there's, uh, we're very limited in what we can do Um, on a medical spectrum, although my facility employs a licensed nurse that oversees the home. Gotcha. That's awesome. Okay. So let's take a step back. What kind of clients do you specifically serve? My clients are typically ambulatory, which means they're for the most part independent. However, um, they need help. For example, um, I have a population of Parkinson residents. Obviously, they need a lot of help with balance. And so that one-on-one care comes in handy. This is a perfect example where um, the resident used to live in a bigger facility and the oversight was just, uh, I guess, lacking or not adequate enough for the resident. And it basically caused a lot of uh, falls for the resident um, during that time. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then what kind of services do you provide? I know you, you kind of give a high level overview, but what what's what are some of the specific services that you provide? Um, some of the specifics and the basic or guest standard services we provide, 24-7 supervision, making sure that they're all safe, at least three nutritious meals a day. Uh, and I am a firm believer of hydration programs as well as snacking throughout the day. And 
I like to use the word we spoil the seniors in my home. I want and a of snack. course, I want a snack throughout the day. <laughs> you know, how old do you have to be to come to your house? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, typically, it varies by facility, um, but my home is licensed for seniors specifically in ages of 65 and older. All right. And sorry, we, we interrupted you. You were talking about the services that you provide. Um, oh, yes. Um, other standard services include, you know, daily um, housekeeping as well as laundry service, errands, pretty much, uh, again, anything that we can assist to help them continue living like bathing, getting ready, getting up. Um, and we also facilitate uh, lots of uh, social activities. And it's not just social. We also believe in, um, you know, brain exercises to minimize the risk of dementia. And actually, we uh, I'm very excited to take them on an excursion um, to the there's a seniors day coming up at, uh, with the Rockies in September. And I'm taking my whole house um, of seniors and the staff um, to to see the game. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Awesome. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, th- your clientele can obviously leave the facility, right? Um, they're not they're not relegated to staying within the facility. They can kind of c- come and go as they please, and obviously with with the group. Oh, absolutely. Um, we encourage uh, for them to stay in touch with friends, family, the community. Yes, they are allowed to leave. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And then I think when we when we initially talked a couple months back, you had talked about um trying to target uh serving the LGBT community. Yes. Is that something correct. that you're working on or is that something that's, that's been established? So my house is LGBT inclusive. Um at my goal, however, is to establish a home that's exclusively LGBT. There's programs out there that will um, certify you, like the the center um, on Colfax um, near downtown Denver. They um, they have a series of workshops and everything to make sure that you your facility is um, prepared to deal with LGBT cases. Um, and there is a special care, you know, that needs to be attained. A lot of facilities can say they're LGBT friendly, but you can tell by their policies, you can tell by the training and awareness and the staff um, if that's lacking. Um, so like what I said, um, my f- first home currently is in the Southlands area. And uh, this year I've, I'm working on opening uh, an LGBT exclusive uh, facility. Great. And what kind of, what is unique for the LGBT community? What do um, that, that your facility would address that they might not be able to get at another facility? Absolutely. Uh, we are talking about a handful in the nation that um, that's LGBT exclusive, and their their names include Fountain Grove Lodge in Santa Rosa, California, Stonewall Gardens in Palm Springs, California. I think there's one in Phoenix or somewhere in Arizona. Or Tucson. Tucson. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Rainbow Vision in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Birds of a Feather in Pecos, New Mexico. <laughs> Triangle Village in Hollywood, California. And those are just a few that I found as well as um, I took a class actually called Project Visibility. Um, it's uh, Boulder has pioneered this uh, program in the Area Agency on Aging. And basically it's it's been the model for a lot of um, to make sure that the facilities are well educated on the issues um, surrounding aging LGBT seniors. 
Yeah, I, I would have to think that there's there's got to be some unique um, some unique concerns. Uh, obviously, in our community, we have an aging population that has survived the AIDS crisis, but are still dealing with HIV. So I'm sure that's one consideration that you have to be thinking about. I would also think that there's probably just some unique challenges around, as we've talked so many times before on this show, some unique challenges around uh, our feelings of inadequacy or our limiting beliefs. And that can probably weigh on a person as they age that makes them feel even even less than because they're withdrawing from the community and Having a facility like yours where it would be exclusive or would have multiple LGBT clients may help them to feel like they're still able to be part of a community that that they have been with for decades. I agree. Um, I Sorry, I, just to add a little bit more statistics, there are at least 3 million LGBT people over 55 in the U.S., and that number will double in 20 years. And about 51% of older LGBT people are very extremely concerned about their financial features. So there is a problem there. Um, Some of these statistics basically um, say that LGBT community is less likely to seek out the services available to them. um, And because they're discouraged or they don't feel that they have a resource, they don't, they don't, realize that they do have access to, you know, certain funding or certain, you know, LGBT friendly facilities out there. Another statistic is two thirds of older trans people worry about being denied or having limited access to medical treatment. That is very, it makes me sad that two thirds of older trans people worry about being denied. Um, Health is health, a I think they should be able to, they, they shouldn't worry about that stuff, you know? Right. Um, 24% of LGBT older people of color experience housing discrimination. And this one I, I'm passionate about because I also just recently started getting involved in the real estate um, side of things. And just, that's a housing discrimination and that's a federal offense. Right. Um, a lot of people don't know, but Colorado is the the most, if not one of the most uh, consumer-friendly state. Um, after learning more about uh, regulations in, in real estate, Colorado is uh, on steroids, um, basically. <laughs> um, so you've got your federal level um, acting as the, the base standard, but Colorado is like 10 times more strict. Um, and so... And we're one of the few states that specifically protects um, orientation, preference, gender, when the federal doesn't even cover that. So anyway, so gay people moved to Colorado, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, you know, we, you were bringing up a number of statistics there about concern and worry, and one of the ones that John and I have heard recently that we read. Uh, is that 71% of the LGBT community are scared that they're not going to have enough money to live out a happy retirement. And I think that this is is maybe one of the concerns that you're bringing up here is, is their concerns are, will there be enough facilities to take care of all of these LGBT people? And if there aren't, then that means that m- most likely the cost of those facilities is going to go up just because there's sheer demand. And then for those who cannot afford that, 
and they may be moving into, as you mentioned earlier, a Medicaid facility, or they're moving into a facility that is cost effective for them, they may find or they may be scared that they have to go back into the closet and not be out because of not simply not being able to live in an area where they feel comfortable. You know, unfortunately, that's exactly what's been happening. And to address a few of the things you mentioned, in general, and this is a nationwide problem, there are not enough facilities or beds to cover our aging population. Mm -hmm. And we are just at the tip of the iceberg. And so there is a strong need um, for housing options uh, to happen. Um, and then more specifically, like what I said, there's already a shortage of Medicaid beds. So to find an LGBT-focused or LGBT-friendly Medicaid home is even harder to find. And that's why I am so empowered and so pumped to get started um, now that I have some you know, some voice and um, some footing in the industry. Um, that's one of my main goals is to make that a reality and make that available to the community. Awesome. Gotcha. It's nice to know that you're passionate about this. It's it's oftentimes it's the, the passionate individuals that take the lead and uh, make change or bring about the, the, the true resources and needs that we have. Thank you. <laughs> um, I worry about my future a lot too. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I share the same fears. I don't want to grow old alone. I don't want to be isolated. And, you know, all of these things, you know, coming back to the closet pose a lot of issues, um, not just, um, you know, emotionally, but mentally, physically, especially when you're aging, the stress, the the worries, the fear, it's not good for the body. And, uh, you know, the financial worries there, you know, can I live in this place? Am I going to get kicked out? Where am I going to go? Um, these are real, real life problems that what, you know, if it's not happening to us, some it's happening to someone already, you know? Right. So invariably, when we comment on social media that in 28 states, LGBT people can get be fi can be fired for, for being LGBT, um, and that because the Equality Act is still stalled in Congress and that there are no LGBT protections federally um, in institutions such as uh, nursing homes and assisted living, someone always says, well, the discrimination doesn't actually really occur, and so you're, you're worrying about nothing or making a mountain out of a molehill. Are there examples, are you familiar with examples of LGBT people who have been discriminated against or, I guess, abused? Yes, not first hand experience, but like what I said, the the workshop that I took in Boulder, um, the Project Visibility, they actually have a program with live testimonies from seeing aging seniors or seniors who have experience. Um, and it's not specific to Colorado. They were able to capture the um some of the seniors who experienced issues with their I guess housing status in their in the senior community um, from those from some of those facilities that I mentioned. That's why those places were born, if you will, because these seniors came together and said, "Oh my gosh, we're experiencing um, discrimination and isolation and all of that." And so, um, I believe the Rainbow. I'm sorry, I can't find it now. <laughs> That's okay. But so there obviously are there are examples of people being discriminated against and abused. So there is a need both I both to, for 
Congress to pass the Equality Act as well. Oh, as- absolutely. Um, sorry, just to add, it it gets worse. It's not just you know verbal abuse. It's not just isolation. Um, it, it's both from the staff from from other seniors themselves. You know, I know there's accounts on um, physical abuse as well. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, and mm-hmm. then that speaks to the, the the other need why we need more facilities that can care for the unique needs of the LGBT community. So I, I think, exactly, I think right. it's great what you're doing. Yeah. So Tony, let me ask you as, as our audience is listening to this, and uh, as they're thinking about what to do, can you give us some suggestions on ways that that we can do some research and prepare? I, John and I are in our 40s, so this is not an immediate concern for us, but it sounds like this is something that we should start preparing for relatively early on and understand what's out there, what options we have. Can you give us a little bit of, uh, of an idea of what things make it easier when we get to that point? Oh, absolutely. Um, planning is crucial. And um, I know from experience from my grandparents, uh, I, and it's a generational um, thing as well where my grandparents were so focused on getting the family to the United States and so they all they did was work 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 um, and uh, they did save however um, re- they relied heavily on um, government services I would say start planning um, your retirement um, and I would start researching on the available resources out there like what I said like what you guys mentioned um, there's insurance companies to look into especially the long-term care insurance um, I would also personally look into 401k or, or some sort of retirement um, vehicle like Roth IRAs or you know in general IRAs to supplement all the other savings that someone may have I know in this market and in th- this generation, I know millennials are kind of holding back um, from investing in homes. What I do know is to jumpstart someone's, you know, wealth creation or wealth building, you have to start with one house. And this is proven, you know, books after books, um, a, f- a good foundation. It's not the end all be all. That's not what I'm saying. But I encourage everyone to buy your first home, invest in one home. And that can help a lot uh, as far as, you know, later on in life, um, you can sell it or do a reverse mortgage. There's options, um, basically, um, but you have to start now, depending on, again, what kind of retirement or what kind of, um, you know, senior lifestyle you, you'd like to have. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I will just uh, that remind our guests that John and I are big proponents of mass mutual and mass mutual has a specific page set up for social security. So it's uh, massmutual.com forward slash social, social security. And we'll link to that in the show notes here. Uh, that is a component. And we had a podcast uh, just to ep- a few episodes ago. Uh, I think that was episode 52 uh, that specifically talked about the benefits of Social Security and the importance that uh, if you are a couple, the importance of getting married and how those benefits can increase, which is vital for you, especially if you end up being 
the last one to survive your couple, uh, as a couple. So if your partner passes away, the potential for you to get more money and be able to live in a facility like Tony's that will provide you the comfort that you want uh, in those last years of your life, it, it's important for you to do to make sure you're doing that planning. So the Social Security one, I would definitely recommend. Uh, and as Tony mentions here, planning is vital. Uh, if you don't plan, you won't end up in a facility like this that cares for the fact that you are an LGBT member of our community. And if we can help you with planning, we have tools on our website. Uh, and again, I'll promote advi the advisors of Mass Mutual or pretty much any financial advisor. Start talking to a financial advisor, no matter what age you are. If you haven't started talking to a financial advisor, start talking to a financial advisor because the sooner you do, the sooner you can have a plan to make sure that you're prepared for things like this. Yeah, I would say that about 55, 60% of the emails we receive from our listeners and followers um, are because they're stressed out or maxed out with their credit card debt. The residual is typically people who are uh, haven't prepared for retirement and they're in their 50, late 50s, early 60s. And it's, it's a critical situation. So the sooner you start, the better. Um, not that you can't uh, recover from starting later in, later in life, but um, as Tony suggested, it's the, the sooner you start preparing, the better. The better off you will be, yes, that's correct. Absolutely. So you touched on this um, briefly, but uh, you mentioned that there are nursing homes. Um, are there nursing homes, and nursing homes are different than assisted living, are there nursing homes that specialize in LGBT services? That you're aware of? I, I don't think that there is a specialized nursing home for LGBT. Got you. Which, which is also sad and scary. Um, like what I said, some of the facilities that I mentioned are a handful, and this is across the U.S. Right. So I've been getting two things out of this podcast. One, if you are LGBT and older or you're in the planning stage of, uh, of your retirement years, know that these services are available. They're limited at this point, but they are available and look into how you can take advantage of them. Uh, the other that I'm getting from this is for uh, LGBTQ entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs. Uh, there is a demand now, and that demand right. is only going to increase. If you're looking to get in, start your own business, follow Tony as a model. Um, I'm sure he could benefit from a little bit of competition. <laughs> there's, there's more than enough people to serve at this point. Um, this might be an option for for you if if you're if you're a caring person and you want you want to um, help take care of people in their later years, such as Tony. Uh, this might be an option for you um, to take care of somebody else while you also take care of yourself. So that's yeah. those are the two takeaways I'm getting from this. You know what's so cool about this, and I I always say this. You know, our seniors uh, they have a lot of stories, and these are life stories that they've experienced. You know, the the journeys that they took, and I would have to say learning about those stories, learning about a different time period, learning about what they've done. Um, I, I think it's exciting. And we get to celebrate them by giving them a space, giving them an a safe environment where they can share that with someone. And that's the kind of home that I, that I'm, that I, I'm promoting, and this is the kind of home that I have, is to celebrate their lives. We're talking about, um, we're not, not necessarily an end-of-life phase here, but I'm saying 
you know, they're seniors. Uh, let's celebrate them. You, th- anything can happen and their levels of care can change in an instant from one fall or, you know, something can happen. And so anyway, right. yeah, to celebrate their life is uh, what I'm all about. Um, I was going to say something I forgot. <laughs> um, I want to thank you for saying that. I, I think us Gen Xers and, and those who are younger, we are fortunate to live in the time that we live in. And we stand on the shoulders right now of the generation um, who is older and, and reaching the end of their life um, who have, who were part of Stonewall or have are, are much closer to the Stonewall rights than, than, than we are and who survived the AIDS crisis. And a lot of us are, are distanced from that. So they, they have, I'm sure you, I, I don't know from experience, but I'm sure from what you're telling me, they must have a treasure trove of stories to tell us how far we've come um, and that, and how fortunate we are. Oh, absolutely. Right. And I'll just tack on to that, that many of us are, incredibly fortunate. And I have to say every day to myself, I, I remind myself that I'm I'm so grateful for that generation of individuals who, when there was only 10 or 20% of the United States population that thought it was okay for somebody to be gay, that they stood strong and they were out at work and they were out in their communities and they had things thrown at them they were fired from their jobs and they continued to fight so that we can go to pride parades and dance in clubs and have brunch on Sundays and hang out with our gay friends in very public places and celebrate. And also that we can fight for those even with our community that are less marginalized today um, I'm sorry, even more marginalized today, we have to remember that we got here because of these individuals. And one of the best, I guess this is probably one of the best ways we can thank them is to make sure that they have a place to call their own as they reflect on the greatness of their lives. Oh, very well said. And I think it comes full circle. You know, we let's take care of one another and this um, privilege will continue, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it all comes back to you. So, uh, Tony, what are your long-term plans? You gave us a little glimpse. What are your long-term plans um, for Alta Prima Assisted Living? Well, um, just a, a glimpse of what's to come ahead um, that I'm working very hard on. So basically open a more a better location um, for the LGBT focused, um, home that I, that I am building. Um, currently the one that I have, um, it's not in Longmont. It's actually in Southlands area. So far Southeast Aurora. And so basically I would like to have, you know, several in each uh, of the corners of Colorado. So a few, um, in central, a few up North, a few, in the West, a few in the East, which have started, and a few in the South. Um, and so uh, for anybody who's looking for assisted living for themselves or a loved one or someone who might want to connect with you to possibly replicate your, your business model in a different state, where can uh, our listeners find out more about you and the services you provide? Thanks so much for that. Um, I can be reached. Um, there's a few ways. Um I have a website, www.altaprimeal.com, and it's A-L-T-A prime A-L.com, and the A-L is for assisted living. Or Facebook, through Facebook, just uh, search me, Alta Prime Assisted Living, 
And uh, my phone number is 720-810-4279 as well. Cool. Well, thank you. And we'll link to all of those in the show notes as well. So Tony, we want to thank you for your time. It was great having you. This is a wealth of information that I think will help our community. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so excited and privileged that you you guys um, spent time with me to learn more about the assisted living and the need, um, you know, to put it out there that there is a need in the community to start, you know, planning, to start looking into something like this. Um, and like what I said, and like what we all agree on, actually, there are resources out there. You guys are a resource. Mass Mutual is a resource. And uh, if the, I can be of a resource to, to others, please let me know. That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thanks again, Tony. What an informative podcast for us this week. It's amazing to think about all of the opportunities there are and challenges that our community has to face in later years of life. It emphasizes the need for us to be prepared. That's something that I really am taking away from this podcast is how much I can do to prepare for living out a fabulous retirement. Once again, remember that if you need help planning for your retirement, work with our partner, MassMutual, and check them out at MassMutual.com. Remember, they're a company that has the guts to show a lesbian couple on their homepage. Thanks again, MassMutual, for supporting our community. Have a great week. Okay. We just serviced you. Now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle Newsletter at Queer.Money. Well, I'm not really gay. <laughs> <laughs> it would help me if I had a personal chef who made all my all meals for me. Right. So instead, I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the other end, I like the butts. So. <laughs> yeah. uh. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.